Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Building Lives International, located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 13, and we're going to pick up today in verse number 33, just for a little bit of review. Uh, verse number 33, and he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. So last time we were together, we talked about um, the interpretation, possible interpretation of this parable, um, how that it, what it doesn't represent, which is, you know, the gospel, you know, saturating the earth. Instead, it's speaking of apostasy being sown uh, by this woman here, which, uh, I think just, uh, signifies the world. Uh, some have narrowed it down to a specific church, uh, but represents false doctrine being spread. <clears throat> and all these things, Jesus spake to the crowds in parables and indeed he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And now he's going to give the interpretation of, of the weeds. Then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And then we come to the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So let's first take a look at the wrong interpretation. Many teach that we are the ones uh, that discovered the treasure in the field. Uh, the treasure is the gospel and we have given everything so that we can obtain it. Now, those who see the parable this way will talk about how much we all have to give up to follow the Lord. Well, in my opinion, this interpretation is putting a lot of faith in us. So the correct interpretation is, has to be in keeping with expositional constancy. So let's take a look at it. Now, make no mistake, this parable is first and foremost, and we have to remember this when we're going through the Gospels. Christ is speaking to the nation of Israel, not us. And this is a subject that I have been studying now for months about how much, if any, of the church is found in the Gospels. And I've pretty much come to the conclusion that nothing uh, for the church is found in the Gospels. Uh, Jewish Messiah speaking to a Jewish people about a Jewish kingdom. There was no death. There was no birth. There was no resurrection, you know, from the dead. There was no, quote, gospel 
that we call the gospel of grace, which the apostle Paul was the first to preach. The apostles themselves did not teach the gospel of the grace. They taught the gospel of the kingdom. Two different things. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached again when the kingdom comes. But right now, it's the gospel of grace under the Apostle Paul. And the more I study that, the more resolute I become in my thinking there. So this parable is first and foremost speaking to Israel, not us. Israel is that treasure that is hidden in the field, not us. And again, we must seek interpretation before we can seek application. Jesus was talking directly to the Jews. So the primary interpretation, now after that we can make all the application we want to, to the church or to ourselves. But the primary interpretation is that the treasure is the gospel of the kingdom. The treasure is the gospel of the kingdom. The field is the world. He's already told that in Matthew 13, 38, the world. The man here in these verses um, is the small remnant of Israel that had heard and had received the gospel of the kingdom and gave everything, even their lives, their possessions, their status for it. It cost them. So remember how the Jews sold everything that they had in the book of Acts um, to follow the Lord. That is because I believe that the kingdom was still being offered up until the final rejection. And then Paul came and preached the gospel of the grace to the Gentiles. Again, we must be careful that we not try to insert the church and the gospel of grace into these parables because neither were existence at the time they were written. Now, yes, there is application for you and I. We can say that you and I are that treasure in the field, that Jesus gave all that he had to purchase us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But again, remember, you have to go with the primary interpretation. The treasure is the gospel of the kingdom, the field is the world, and the man is the Jews who f embraced the gospel of the kingdom and gave up everything to follow the Messiah. And then we come to the parable of the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to the merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, pearls in the ancient world were the most prized and highly valued gems. They were bought as investments, much like diamonds are today. A couple reasons. They were popular because they were easy concealed to conceal, like the treasure in the previous parable. Pearls, the Jewish Talmud spoke of pearls as being beyond price. As a matter of fact, many Egyptians and Romans held the pearl in such high esteem that they even worshipped it. The women made a practice of adorning their heads with pearls. In 1 Timothy 2.9, Paul says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. In other words, they shouldn't be focusing on the external. They should be focusing on the internal. When Jesus warned believers about casting their pearls before swine in Matthew 7, 6, he was emphasizing the priceless value of the gospel of the kingdom and the beautiful things that come with it with unbelievers who do not realize its value. And that's why he says, don't cast your pearls before swine.
Now, certainly we can make application with the gospel of grace as well. Heaven is also described as having many pearls. Revelation 18, 12, 16, 21, 21. It's reported that the wife of Caligula, the Roman emperor, wore a vast fortune of pearls in her hair and on her ears, her neck, her wrists, and even her fingers. Cleopatra is said to have owned two pearls that were worth $7 million by today's standards. Now, have you ever seen the super wealthy burn their money or brag? In Jesus' day, the extravagantly wealthy would take a pearl, dissolve it in vinegar, and drink it as in as if it were wine to show off how wealthy they are. So the parable at face value to me is simple. The merchant comes across the pearl that is so valuable to him that he sells all that he has to buy that one pearl. So in the end, like all the other parables, this one is obviously speaking of ultimate salvation as well. So God so loved Israel the pearl that he gave himself, his son, to purchase it. Now for you and me, sure, certainly we can bring John three sixteen into it. Now some say that the pearl can also be applied to the church for several other reasons. Number one, the church is made up of people who are likened to stones. In 1 Peter 2, 5, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. The pearl is the only stone in nature that is created by a living organism. Everything else is created by minerals. The church is an organism. We are the body of Christ. Thirdly, the price, Jesus, of the pearl, the church, was enough to pay for all of the lost. So an application that can be made there. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Fourthly, we need to be telling others who do not become part of the pearl, the church, the application here, how they can be added and become part of the lively stone, the pearl, and grow until the harvest. So, I mean, we do have some application there that can be made to the church, but first and foremost, there must be a correct interpretation to arrive at an application. I cannot emphasize that enough. Well, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good. Thank you for listening today. I also serve churches in the areas of guest speaking, conferences, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you.